Today on Hardwired. I can tell you as a preacher, I've had the Holy Ghost change up on me things before. I've come all the way here with one message and the Lord said, you're wrong, you missed it. Here's what I want you to say. And he puts an urgency on you. Jude is telling us in the beginning of verse three, I was gonna write you a nice little letter, but now God said, write him and tell him, you better fight for the faith. You better fight for the faith. You are listening to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wickwire, the founder and senior pastor of Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Maybe you've noticed that our culture is pretty messed up these days, which makes people feel anxious and filled with questions. They want peace, but have a hard time finding it or making it last. Well, Pastor Jeff is going to share in the message today about how you can finally be filled with hope, security, and most importantly, that peace you're looking for. We know that you're going to enjoy the message, but you can also listen to it again or any of the messages anytime you would like at our website, hardwired.org. Let's get right to the message. Here's Pastor Jeff to tell us what's coming up today on Hardwired. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Hardwired. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, we're going to talk about today what every Christian should have his mind on and his faith towards, and that is fighting for the faith. This is something that Jude commanded us to do, and this is what the book of Jude is all about. So what does it mean to fight for the faith? Well, the faith, the original faith, the New Testament faith is under attack. It was under attack in Jude's day, and it is under fierce attack now. So as we listen to the Word of God today, we're going to see how we fight for the faith, what it means to fight for the faith, and my prayer is that people all over the country will stand up and begin to fight for the original faith once delivered to the saints, and let's see God move again in our nation. Let's jump right in, fighting for the faith. When he opens up with beloved, that's the Greek word agape toy. And I love this because it means beloved ones, that is divinely loved ones, loved by God. Can you say with me, I'm a divinely loved one. Isn't that good? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. You are agape toy, divinely loved ones. God loves you. Now, he says, very diligent, while I was very diligent to write to you. Now, Jude is pouring out his heart. He's pouring out what he experienced as he began to write this letter. He's going to tell us what drove him, how he went through the process of getting down to writing this that we now read and are fed by. He says, I was very diligent. The word there is spude. That's the Greek word, spude, diligent. And it means to speed, to hasten, to desire something earnestly. Now, I want to give you an example of what that word, or where that word is used somewhere else so you can get the idea. When he says, I was very diligent to write to you. In Mark 6, 25, uh, Herod's granddaughter has danced that sensual dance. And he has said to her, you tell me what you want and I'll give it to you. He had no idea of the devils that were resting in the hearts of his wife and um, daughter-in-law. And he says, she came out of there and said, here's what I want after talking to Herodias, her mother. Here's what I want. I want the head of John the Baptist on a platter. 
I think that Herod was shocked and stunned. I think he did not, he didn't know what to make of this, but he couldn't back down from his word. Now it says, when she came out to give him that message, it says, immediately she, Herod's daughter-in-law, came in with haste. That's spude, the same word that is translated into diligent. So she came in with haste to the king and asked saying, I want you to give me the head of John the Baptist on a platter. So you get the idea that when Herodias and the daughter hatched this plan, there was an urgency to get it done. So they came out speedily and said, I want the head of John the Baptist. Same word. So we're getting now the feeling that when Jude began to be moved on to write this letter, there was an urgency. There was an urgency. That's what Spude is telling us. Jude is saying that he felt a strong urgency to write this letter, a pressing to get it done and get it sent. Now the word common, where he says up in the verse, to write to you concerning our common salvation. The word common is koinos, and it means to become a sharer, a partner. The idea is of a common salvation, possessed in common with others. Guess what, everybody? The gospel of Jesus Christ is for all people everywhere. It is not for just a few. It's for all people everywhere. So he calls it the common salvation, which means the salvation for everyone. That's why it needs to be preached all over the world to every race, color, and creed. It's the salvation of Jesus Christ for everybody. Amen? Amen? Now he says, I found it necessary. Now I want you to catch this. I found it necessary. Literally, I had need. I was compelled, driven, or constrained to write to you, whether by force, threats, persuasion, or entreaties. This compulsion to exhort the saints to fight for the faith found its source in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was moving on Jude with an urgency. And I tell you, when I read the letter, I feel this urgency. You can, it just kind of comes out and grabs you by the throat. Jude is speaking out of, out of being pressed by the Holy Spirit. And he says, the phrase, I found it necessary, is in the aorist tense. Now, here's what that means. In the Greek language, it's called the aorist tense. And here's what it means. It's very simple. It means that the letter had to be written at once and could not be prepared for at Jude's leisure. Necessity was laid upon him. Aorist means something happened in the past. It happened and was done. Here's what he's saying. I had an urgency on me by the Holy Spirit that was so pressing that I realized this was not up to me waiting till I felt like it. It was not to be at my leisure but God was putting an urgency on me to get it done and over with. I don't know if you've ever experienced anything like this, but I can remember when God called me to preach and to teach. When it really began to get a hold of me, it was something where I had no option about waiting for it to take place in my leisure. Well, you know, someday I'll preach and teach. Someday, you know, I'm a little older and, you know, a little wiser and whatever. No, I was 18 years old and God said, do it now. But Lord, I don't know anything. Do it now. You know that I save people. That's all you need to know. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but you know, some things God leaves up to your leisure. He'll say, you know, this is something that in time, you know, you're going to do it. But then there are other times where God says, get it done. Get it done now. 
And I don't know if there's anything like that in your life right now, but I can tell you the Holy Spirit will do this. With some things, he'll say, get it done now. There's a pressing. There is an urgency. You know that if you put it off, you're really almost sinning because God's saying, do it now. This is what Jude is saying. He said, at first, I was just going to write you a letter about the doctrines of salvation. And I had a good plan in mind. I was going to write it at my leisure. But then the Holy Ghost got a hold of me. This is what he's saying. And he said, no, write what I show you now. Do it now. Do it now. So if there's one of those things operating your life right now, I got a word from the Lord for you. Do it. Nike was right. Just do it. Okay? Jude had intended at his leisure to write a letter containing a positive presentation of the doctrines of the Christian faith. That's what he starts out with in verse 3. I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation. You know what he's saying there? That's what I was going to do. But then it got changed up on me. But the Holy Spirit changed all that and laid necessity on his heart to write in defense of the faith. I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to earnestly contend for the faith. I can tell you as a preacher, I've had the Holy Ghost change up on me things before. I've come all the way here with one message and the Lord said, you're wrong, you missed it. Here's what I want you to say. And he puts an urgency on you. Jude is telling us in the beginning of verse three, I was gonna write you a nice little letter, but now God said, write him and tell him, you better fight for the faith. You better fight for the faith. Earnestly contend. Wow, what a phrase. Listen to this. This phrase is found only here in the New Testament. The word contend is taken from a Greek word that was used of athletes contending in the athletic contest. It speaks of vigorous, intense, determined struggle to defeat the opposition. Our word agony is taken from the Greek word for contend. The Greek athletes exerted themselves to the point of agony in an effort to win the contest. Now, church, I got a revelation for you tonight. Jude is saying by the Holy Ghost, this is what the Holy Ghost interrupted him with. He said, no, Jude, you're not going to write about the doctrines of the Christian faith. You've got, you better tell the church that they're going to have to agonizingly, sternly defend in a fight for the faith. It's going to get down to blood and guts and gore. That's what he's saying. It's going to get down to swinging, hitting, bruising, hurting, taken to the mat. This is a fight for survival, Jude. And tell them, you're going to have to, like an athlete, even if it comes down to agonizingly defending the faith. Now, church, I'm going to tell you, I believe that's where we are. That's where we are. Just watch the media. Just watch television. Watch, watch how the debate, the temperature of the debate about Jesus Christ has been turned way, way up. Now we've got this book that has sold 40 million copies. It doesn't bother me any. But it is overthrowing the faith of many, many people who are believing all kinds of silliness and foolishness that Mary Magdalene married Jesus and they had children and the Christly lineage has now been passed down in the form of human beings and all this baloney attacking the virgin birth 
and attacking the purity of Jesus Christ, attacking the core beliefs of the church. I hear Jude speaking. I hear God speaking through him to us. Get ready to fight for the faith once delivered to the saints. Jude says that with the same intense effort, we should defend the doctrines of Christianity. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 3.15 how we are to do that. Let's read it together, can we? Be ready always. Turn to your neighbor and tell him that means you. And don't look at me and say it. That means you. That's not the, just the preachers. That's not just the pastors. Do you know why I'm going through books like this? So that you can do this. Pastor Jeff will be back in a moment, but first I want to share a couple of thoughts with you. Now, you may not be able to stay with us for the entire program, but don't worry. You can find the program at our website, hardwired.org, along with all of the programs from Pastor Jeff. Also, we regularly get emails and calls from listeners just like you who tell us how much the program means to them. But we would love to hear from you too. So let me encourage you to connect with us by calling 877-884-3111 or through the website, hardwired.org. That's hardwired.org. Or call 877-884-3111. And now let's get back to Pastor Jeff with the rest of today's program. So let's start again. Be ready always to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Always, at all times, because you never know when somebody's going to say, you know, I don't believe the way you do. How do you, what do you mean Jesus Christ was the Son of God? There's a lot of possibilities. There's a lot of ways to God. We don't have to believe the way you do to be saved. And if, if you don't know your Bible, you're overthrown. Now, the word or the phrase, give a defense, is a technical term in the Greek language of the law courts. Speaking of the attorney for the defense, presenting a verbal defense for his client. That's what Jude used, or Peter, rather. Christians are to be ready to contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all delivered to the saints. Can you do that if somebody says to you, uh, how can you prove that Jesus Christ was the Son of God? Uh, what do you mean, born of a virgin? We all know that's myths and fables, and he didn't really rise from the dead, and that's just another religion that man made up. And uh, Come on now, you don't really believe all. And, and there is a concerted attack. I was listening to a secular talk show on the way here, and this secular talk show host said, if you are a conservative, you're going to come under attack. If you're a Christian, you're going to be crucified. Well, maybe so. But if we have an answer and we can verbally contend for the faith once delivered to the saints, who's going to be crucified? I want to hold out to the culture of Christ and him crucified. But the whole message of Jude is, you know, guys, I was going to write you something else, but the Holy Spirit interrupted me. And he said, write them and do it now and tell them, fight for the faith, be ready, even if it comes to agonizing blows. It's gonna get bloody. Once for all, meaning no other faith will be given. There isn't any other faith, not to get you to heaven. 
not that saves your soul. Because there's no other religious leader who died for your sins. Muhammad never did. Buddha never did. Only Jesus said, I came to die. I came to die for your sins. I came to die in your place. I came to rise from the dead so that you can be raised from the dead. There is no other human being in history who said what he said, made the claims that he made. He was either truly a true, psychotic, lunatic, deluded, pitifully, or he was the son of God. Jude said, answer it. Fight for it. Hebrews 9.28 says, can we read it together? So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time. Amen. Now, if you wanted to take the book of Hebrews and you want to just boil it down to and sum it up with just three words, the book of Hebrews will be summed up once for all. The whole theme of Hebrews is once for all. He's the better way, the better sacrifice, the better answer, the better truth. He's better, 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 better. One word that sums up Hebrews is better. But a phrase, the one phrase that sums it up is once for all. It doesn't need to happen again. God, who at sundry times through the prophets and others spoke to us, has now spoken to us through his son, period. There's not ever going to be another one. Not another sacrifice. There's nothing you can do to make it better. Nothing you can do to add to it. There's nothing you need to add to it. It is finished. He covered our sins. It's done. It's once for all. Delivered means to deliver to someone something to keep, to use, to take care of, or to manage. Jude is saying that God gave the Christian doctrines to the saints as a deposit of truth to be guarded. If we don't guard the truth and hang on to the truth and hold up the truth before this world, who will? It won't come by the manifestation of angels because God chose the church to reveal the manifold wisdom of God. So God has given us, the church, these truths. And they are not to be watered down, not diluted, not polluted, none of that. We hold up the absolute truth of the gospel. Once for all, Jesus died for our sins and rose from the dead. Now let's read the expanded translation of verse three. Let's read it together, can we? Divinely loved ones, when giving all diligence to be writing to you concerning the salvation possessed in common by all of us, I had constraint laid upon me to write to you beseeching you to contend with intensity and determination once for all entrusted into the safekeeping of the saints. Wow. And you know, you look at that early church. They fought to the death for the truth. They fought to the death. And I want you to notice, those of you who went through 1 John with me, we talked over and over again about why he wrote it, why he wrote it, because of the agnostic teaching, the agnostic um, teaching or, or the, yeah, the, not the agnostic. What am I thinking? Gnostic. Somebody said to me today, I'm an agnostic. And that's in my head. I said, you are really? Yeah. I think I'm an agnostic. You know what that means? It means no knowledge. They said, well, maybe I'm really not a full-blown agnostic. <laughs> anyway, the Gnostic teaching. And 
Notice that John wrote his letter because of false teaching. Now, why is Jude writing this? False teachers. There was an invasion of false teaching, and nothing has changed. And they allowed themselves to be martyred to fight earnestly for the faith once delivered to the saints. Okay? I predict to you that the real church is going to have to grow a spine of steel in the days to come here in good old America. So what was it that was so upsetting to Jude? Here we go. Verse 4. Can we read it together? For certain men have crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked for this condemnation. Ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I read that and I just picture roaches creeping into a room. He says they creep in. Crept in is from a Greek word meaning to enter alongside. Literally, to get in by the side, to slip in a side door. That's how he's saying these false teachers got into the church. It's like they slipped in through the side door, stealth-like. This is how false teachers get into a church. You know how they do it? They enter the pulpits by dishonesty and stealth. They pretend to be orthodox or sound in their beliefs, but actually they're not, and they know they're not. But they say all the right things using evangelical terms such as salvation, faith, atonement, resurrection, born again but they place their own private meanings on them, which are not scriptural. Will you notice with me how these apostles, and Jude didn't call himself one, but he's in the Bible, Jude, John, Peter, Paul, how angry they got at any twisting of the pure truth of God. I mean, they just got ticked. Righteous anger filled them. And we're about to feel it because Jude is rough on these guys. We would call them creepy teachers or teachers that creep. Even a rattlesnake will give you a warning before it strikes, but not false teachers. They appear as angels of light. Oh, they'll say, praise the Lord, hallelujah, bless God. Did Jesus come in the flesh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, sure he did. Because remember, that test was only for people who believed in Gnosticism. If you were a Gnostic, you'd say, no, he didn't come in the flesh. But there's a bunch of other kinds of false teachers who will say, sure, he came in the flesh. And they'll say all the right things, but as you listen, you begin to say, wait a minute, something's wrong here. I'm not hearing the word that I've read. I'm not hearing the Christian truths I was raised on. I'm hearing a little twist and a little pull and a little change and a little skewing of the truth. I had to use the Message Bible's translation of 2 Corinthians 11, 13 through 15 when he talks about angels of light. <laughs> Let's just read this together. This is Paul talking about false teachers. They're a sorry bunch. I just wanted that to go on tape. <laughs> that just sounds like Texas talk. So let's just try it again. They're a sorry bunch. Doesn't that just ring true? Pseudo, let's read it, pseudo-apostles, lying preachers, crooked workers, posing as Christ's agents, but sham to the core 
And no wonder, Satan does it all the time, dressing up as a beautiful angel of light. So it shouldn't surprise us when his servants masquerade as servants of God, but they're not getting by with anything. They'll pay for it in the end. I, I'll tell you what, I just, I'm gonna make a, just a recording of, they're a sorry bunch. And every once in a while, I'll just put it in there on the radio show. It, it just, I like it. Now, look what he says. They were marked out for this condemnation. They were marked out for this condemnation. The false teacher were marked out. Now, when I read that, it's careful. You gotta be careful that you don't assume that he's saying that God made them that way because God didn't. We appreciate you listening today to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wickwire. Every program we do has one main thing in mind, and that's to share the hope and good news of Jesus Christ to people who need to hear this message and hardwire the teaching into their daily life. That's what this ministry is all about. So if you've been encouraged by the message, we would love to hear about it. Pick up your phone and give us a call at 877-884-3111. That's 877-884-3111. Or go online to our website at hardwired.org. And be sure to bookmark the web address to your favorites folder so you can come back often. Also, would you consider getting on board with us as a faithful ministry partner? Your valuable contribution makes a big difference to us in helping to get the message of the gospel out through this program to people everywhere. Your generosity along with this ministry is reaching people in a way that you may never have the ability to do on your own. So jump on board as a hardwired partner by calling us at 877-884-3111 or go online to hardwired.org, 877-884-3111 or hardwired.org. From the bottom of our hearts, thank you so very, very much. Have a great rest of the day, and thanks for listening to Hardwired.